Well, uh, while the uh, ushers are doing the offering baskets and passing those around, uh, I want to um, let you know that um, in uh, this series called All About Jesus, I'm very excited about talking about Jesus. Uh, my mom, growing up, my mom was a prayer, and she was a prayer warrior, and my grandfather was a, was a prayer warrior. And I remember they would say the name of Jesus in their prayer over and over and over again. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, in Jesus I pray. They would use that name. And just like we sang a few minutes ago, there's power in the name of Jesus. And, and some of us, many of us as, as believers, we, don't, we, don't, we forget that. We don't use that name. We forget that there's power in the name of Jesus. Some of, some of us are, are, are driving a Camaro at 10 miles an hour. That's a shame. You don't drive a Camaro at 10 miles an hour. Man, you gun it, right? You got power in there, right? Well, some of us as believers, we, we know about Jesus and we've invited them into our heart, into our life, but we forget that we have power under this hood. We have power right here in our souls and we can use the power of the name of Jesus. And so here's what I want to do. I want us just to say the name of Jesus. Let's say it all together. Ready? Go. Jesus. Yeah. Say it again. Jesus. Say it one more time. Jesus. And in this Jesus series, this All About Jesus series, we're, we're focusing on that beautiful, incredible, wonderful name. Well, last week we talked about uh, Jesus, the human, and how Jesus was human. Many times we forget. We forget that. We forget. We think, okay, he was God and he came down to earth, yes, but he was human. He faced temptations just like you faced. He faced issues just like you faced. He had temptation issues. The Bible talks about that. And, and uh, him growing up, he had to obey his parents, right? And he had to get along with his brothers and sisters. He had to deal with all of that, relationship stuff. So Jesus understands you. Jesus understands you. There's no situation you can bring to Jesus that Jesus doesn't understand your particular need or your particular situation. He understands your relationships. He understands people who have, who have uh, uh, kids because as a heavenly father, children. So he understands when children disobey. He understands as the bride of Christ is his bride. He understands when his spouse is unfaithful. He knows what that feels like. He understands what it feels like to be single because while he was on this earth, he lived a single life. He understands work. He understands hard work, owning a business as a carpenter, hard work doing the things of a carpenter without power tools, without a, a table saw. Uh, and so he also understands pain. He understands emotional pain, having friends desert him, having friends to say, you know what, I'm going to disown him. Or uh, he understands physical pain, as we've seen on the cross of Jesus Christ. So he understands your situation. He understands you. So when you go before God the Father, don't think you, he won't understand you because he does. So this week, I'm going to talk about Jesus the teacher. Jesus the teacher. You know, in about 48 times in, in the Gospels, and the Gospels is the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the, in, in the Gospels, the, Jesus as teacher was mentioned about 48 times. 
Uh, so, so he was, he was considered a great, great teacher. In fact, uh, there are even atheists here today, not here, uh, um, if you are, come talk to me after service. But there are atheists, there are atheists in our culture, in our world, who have actually claimed, yeah, Jesus was one of the best teachers that ever lived. Atheists would say that. Now, they disagree that he was the son of God, and he had, he had holiness and deity, but they they agreed that Jesus was one of the best teachers who ever lived. And I love um, this, um, this focus on being, being a teacher because I was a teacher uh, for about 12 years. I went, to, uh, went to LSU, got my degree in music education, and um, moved uh, back to Texas. And I was there uh, in the choir classroom teaching choir as a director and stuff for about 12 years in, in a variety of different schools. And I loved teaching. But can I tell you something? At the beginning, I didn't like teaching. <laughs> I did not like it. In fact, the first three years of my teaching, I was an awful teacher. I was awful. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in my class. And so, but one reason I was awful is because I just, I never really related to the kids. I didn't really, I, I didn't really come to the fact that, you know, there's this concept, there's this music we have to learn and there's these goals we have to accomplish, but then there's also people. And those two things have to come together to create a, a great product. And so many times I valued this more than I valued the students in my classroom because I never really related to them. Well, I decided about year three, something had to change. And so I decided in year three, I'm going to understand students. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to understand students. I'm going to hang out with them a little bit before school, after school. You know, I had uh, leaders in my choir, and I, I would get, I, oftentimes I would ask them, hey, what's, what's going on in, in our choir program? I had about 250 students in my choir program, and I would ask them, hey, who, is, is there something going on with this person? Is this person sick, or, or is this person uh, having issues? You know, I mean, it's junior high. They have issues every day. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Relationship issues. You know, and uh, so we would talk about those things, and I would actually use illustrations and stories uh, to, uh, to try to get a point across to my students. Why? That point was going to help us to own this music and to live this music. And one of the phrases that I kind of came up with uh, in my teaching was this, if you sing it like you need it, you'll sound like you mean it. If you sing it like you need it, you'll sound like you mean it. Like you mean what you're singing about. Because sometimes when you really conduct choirs, so they could be up there singing and they're just pale face and they don't really own it. They don't, this song means nothing to them. But when they sing it like they need the message, and many times we would do songs about a great message or about a great story. So I would take time and I would say, okay, here's why this song was written can any of y'all relate to that? Oh, I can relate with that, Mr. Bennett. I can relate with that. And so they would sing it like they needed that, that message or that song or that story. And all of a sudden, they were singing it like they meant it. It was on their face. And so I was able to change some lives. Why? Just for the simple fact of, hey, I'm going to understand these students. I want to be able to understand how um, they relate. And so as a teacher, 
uh, I was able to, to do that. And so and we find a few passages in Scripture about Jesus being a great teacher. In the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 13, uh, we, have, uh, we have this verse. Coming to his hometown, Jesus' hometown, he, Jesus, began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? So Jesus went to their temple, to their Jewish temple, to their synagogue. He didn't say, all right, y'all, y'all come on out here. You know, I'm going to start my own thing out here, and, and, and we're going to do our own thing. So you need to come out here to where I'm at. No, no, no. Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to teach in the temple. I'm going to teach where they worship, where they go. And so uh, another sign of him relating. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 33, it says, When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. They were astonished at his teaching. They were amazed at his teaching. No other person has taught like this before. In uh, another chapter, uh, another book in John chapter 7 Verse 32, it says this, the Pharisees, and those were the teachers of the law. You had the law, the Ten Commandments, and then you had other books, uh, you had other laws and, and rules in, uh, in other parts of, the, of the, uh, the Torah, which is the first five books of the, of the Bible. And so the Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. And then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. So here's what's happening. Jesus was saying things about these Pharisees. All right, these Pharisees, they put heavy loads upon you. They make up even more rules for you to have to, for you to, have to obey. And Jesus said, this is not what, what me and my father had, in pla- had planned. This is not what we had in mind. It's much more simple than that. And so he was talking about these Pharisees, and the Pharisees were like, hey, this guy's talking about us. And so they, they had some guys go arrest them. Well, the guys that had to go arrest him, they were temple guards. They were their own army. And so they took the, those, those uh, soldiers, and uh, they said, all right, you need to go arrest him. Well, th- this is what happened in, in verse uh, 45 of chapter 7. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees. So they went to Jesus. They heard him teach. And they went back to the Pharisees and to the priests and who asked him. And he says, they said, why didn't you bring him here? Weren't you supposed to go to Jesus and bring him to us? Here's their response. No one ever spoke the way this man does. No one has ever spoken the way this man does. They were astonished. I mean, so the Pharisees who were mad at Jesus and a little ticked off at him said, all right, go arrest him, bring him back. And even those soldiers said, hey, we, we can't touch this, all right? We can't touch this, like MC Hammer, all right? We can't touch this because he was an incredible teacher. He spoke into their hearts. He related to them. So he was a, a, such an amazing teacher that they couldn't even arrest him. So why was Jesus, or what were some of the characteristics of Jesus as a teacher? Why was he such a great teacher? I had some friends uh, in my early years of teaching that were incredible teachers, incredible teachers. One guy in particular, his name was Bob Horton. Bob Horton had this uh, amazing choir, just a few uh, miles down the road at another school, and I heard his choir sing before, and it changed my life. I was like, I want a choir that sounds like that 
Why is he such a good teacher? So you know what I did? I started hanging around him. <laughs> I started hanging around Bob. Hey, Bob, you and I, we're going to be friends, all right? All right? So, so I began to go visit Bob in his classroom whenever I had an opportunity. Why does he get his choirs to sound like that? So after observing him, not only in a choir setting, but even around his students, when we'd have uh, region choir events, I would, uh, I would kind of have my students around Bob's students, and I would watch and I would observe how does Bob treat his own students? How does he relate to them? And I learned a lot from him. So he was a master teacher and still is to this day. He's a master teacher, and I've learned a lot from him. Uh, but we can learn a lot from Jesus. Why? There are three things I want to focus on. Number one, his teaching was authoritative. His teaching was authoritative. He had authority. He had authority to teach. Look in Matthew chapter 7, uh, two verses here in 28 and 29. It says this, when Jesus had finished saying these things, now this is, this is the last verses, the last two verses of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is his, is, is his longest recorded sermon. It's like three chapters long. And he goes through some, uh, some amazing, all written and read, Jesus' words. And, uh, and so when Jesus had finished these things, in verse 28, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Verse 29, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. He, he taught as someone with authority and not as one of the teachers of the law. So how was Jesus different than the teachers they've been hearing about for hundreds of years? Hundreds of years. You know that the, the Pharisees over the years have come up with about 640 Laws, 640 man-made laws to keep the Ten Commandments. So you have man coming in, creating 640 other laws to help us keep the Ten Commandments. Doesn't that seem weird to you? Doesn't that seem like, okay, why would we listen to these guys? But they were the teachers of the law. And so Jesus came, and he brought authority to speak, and he also brought something fresh. He brought something fresh into the lives of people. He taught with authority, but with that authority came something new, something fresh. I remember, and I don't want to relate this too much to, obviously, Jesus coming in, into the world, but the only example in our culture and in, in, uh, that's happened over the last few years happened on June 29th, 2007. June 29th, 2007. Do you know what happened on that date? June 29th, 2007. On that date, something happened. They introduced the iPhone. They introduced the iPhone. I remember watching that on, on the internet or TV and saying, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I, to be quite honest, I didn't know it was real. I mean, do any of y'all think that? 
It's like, you know, I didn't think it was real. I mean, I had one of those little, you know, iPods, you know, that, you know, back then cost a lot of money, you know. But I had one of those little music iPod players, and, and I was able to use that. But, you know, touch screen, check email, do all this stuff, social media. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And ever since then, hasn't our culture changed? Yeah. It was a game changer. It was something fresh. Goodbye, flip phones. See you later. Now, it costs a lot of money to get, to get one, you know, still does to this day. Yeah, that's why we try to buy them used. Amen. <laughs> so, so but, but it brought something fresh to our culture. It's like, wow, I can check my email. I don't have to be in front of a computer. This is amazing. And so that excitement spread throughout the entire world. Imagine that's kind of what happened with Jesus. Now, Jesus is better, better than an iPhone, but Jesus came into the world and he brought authority and he brought something new, something fresh, and it spread like wildfire. So he spoke as one with authority. Do you know that Jesus can still talk with authority and freshness in your life? He still can. You know that in, in, in God's word right here, there are some things in God's word that can bring freshness, newness into your life. In fact, I would encourage you uh, to, to do an experiment. I would encourage you to take any situation in your life, and we've all got junk. We've all got situations. We've got, we all have frustrations. We all have, like, I don't know what to do in this situation. Take that to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord, okay, where in God's word can I, can I sense this? Where is, is, the, is the answer for this? Or search. Do a search for that. Okay? You need peace in your life. Where does the Bible talk about peace? Google that. Come up with lots of scripture. Read God's word. Let the scripture speak to you. Now, here's a second step to that. Now, some of those passages, if you've been a believer a long time, some of those passages are going to be very, very familiar. Like, okay, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. So some of these, come on a second. So some of these passages will be very, very familiar to you. And so I would encourage you this, read it a little at a time. Read it just one line at a time or even one word at a time and meditate on each of those words. Meditate on that line and ask God, God, what are you trying to say to me? Make it fresh. Make it new. That authority can still speak into your life. So Jesus' teaching was authoritative and Jesus' teaching was practical. Here's our second characteristics of Jesus' teaching. Jesus' teaching was very, very practical. He did not uh, use spiritual nonsense, all right? He, he, he used things uh, that people can actually use. You know, there's actually, uh, there's actually written um, books of, of, of sermons of, of like Jewish rabbis and, and of them teaching of the, of the law and everything. And I'm going to tell you, you can read through that, but man, it's, there's, there's, not, there's not any practicality in that. Jesus spoke in a way that, was, that made sense. Oh, okay. I understand that. 
That's practical. Let me give you some examples. I'm kind of rephrasing these in my own words. So here's a, here's a few practical things that Jesus taught. He taught this. If you're mad at someone, don't go to church and pretend. You go get it right with that person first. Doesn't that make sense? Isn't that practical? If you're, if you're mad at someone, go, go talk to them first. Rather than coming to church or coming to worship, all right, here's another one. An, uh, another thing, again, kind of paraphrasing. Don't worry about tomorrow. Uh, there's enough problems tomorrow. God feeds the birds and the flowers. You don't think he'll take care of you also? Well, of course he's going to take care of you. He feeds the birds and the flowers. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Boy, I need that every day. I'm always looking at tomorrow. Like, man, what, what's that going to hold? But we can take words like that and it be fresh into our life. Here's a, and let it be practical. Uh, here's another uh, uh, sort of paraphrase of what Jesus taught. You cannot serve God and money. Stop being selfish and start being generous because your heavenly Father has wired you to be generous. And you will never be happy until you are generous. Be generous. You're never going to be happy until you're generous. Stop serving God and money. Just serve God. Stop, stop talking, trying to get just yourself, your stuff. Stop worrying about your stuff and start focusing on me as your father, as your first love, and what I can do in your life without your stuff. You don't need to worry about that. I'll supply that. So how can, we, how can we apply that teaching in our life? Did you know that there's lots of things in God's Word to help you become a better husband, a better wife, a better man of God, a better woman of God, a better a child of God, youth? Every young person should be reading the book of Proverbs. Such great wisdom in there. And it's written, it's written specifically for youth. And so... There's lots of wisdom in, in God's Word, and there's, there's things in God's Word that can help you become um, a, a better life, a better businessman, right? Uh, uh, you can become a better, uh, have a better family, a better marriage. You want to know how to get to heaven? Yeah, it's, it's right here. It's all right here, and it's practical. His teaching was authoritative, yet fresh. It was practical. His teaching was very practical, not something difficult to understand. And then the last point about his teaching is his teaching was graphic. His teaching was graphic. You know, I would encourage, I would encourage you, you know, you want to know how graphic his teaching is. Here's an assignment for you. Get, get one of these old copies of God's Word, you know, not like, you know, not like this, you know. Get, get one of these copies. And you're going to see red letters. You're going to see red letters. And make sure it's a red letter edition. You're going to see some red letters in, in the New Testament of where Jesus is talking. I would encourage you, as an experiment in your own quiet time, I would encourage you to only read the red letters. Only read what Jesus 
wrote. Now, that's just an experiment. What you've done with that, then go back and read more of the Bible. But, but just read the red letters and see how Jesus' teaching was authoritative yet fresh, how his teaching was practical, and how his teaching was graphic, because there are, there's a lot of graphic things about his, um, his teaching. And, and what I mean by graphic is, I, I want to I, I say this, he taught in pictures and stories. So he painted pictures with his words, and he told stories. He painted pictures and he told stories. That's why they were, they were practical and also graphic. You can almost see it with your eyes. You can almost see Jesus talk about these things when you read uh, the red letters. Let me give you an example. So let's do this. Let's try an experiment. Everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes. It's okay. No, you're safe. All right. So, close your eyes. Okay, what I want you to do is I want you to imagine a camel. So, imagine a big camel, uh, one hump, two humps, it don't matter, all right? So, you're, you have this camel, and you are standing beside this camel. And your right hand, and visualize this, your right hand is sort of on the back side leg, okay, of this camel. Now, on your left hand, you have a, a needle. And the pointy end of that needle is, is pointed down, the sharp end. And the other end that's pointed up is called the eye of that needle. So what I want you to do with that needle on your left hand and with the camel, I want you to take that camel with your right hand and push that camel into that eye of that needle. All right? Can you just do that? Push that camel in the eye of that needle. Okay, ready? Op- open your eyes. You think, well, that's impossible. That's impossible. You can't do that. Exactly. Exactly. You can't do that. Well, Jesus is saying, that's, that's the same way as someone who's, who, who values their stuff more than me. You value your stuff more than me. That's like, that's almost like, having a rich man enter into the eye of a needle or a camel entering the eye of a needle. It's easier to do that than for a rich man or someone who, has, who values their stuff to enter into, into heaven. Now, does that, that is not, Jesus is not saying that only, you know, only poor people get into heaven. Now, it's all about what you value. You could be rich and get into heaven, but do you value your money, your stuff, more than what God wants in your life, what God's plan is in your life. And so he uses that as an example um, uh, for that. So isn't that, I mean, that's kind of graphic to be able to, people can actually see that. Okay, all right, so I better, I better not be focusing on my stuff. You, people may say here, hey, I'm poor, I'm not rich, I'm, I'm, I'm good. No, if you think about the rest of the world, you are rich. When you think about the rest of the world in context to the rest of the world, you and I are rich, all right? But it's not about just having money. It's about what you're valuing. Don't value yourself more. So Jesus used that as an example. Let me give you uh, another uh, example, all right? All right, so one more experiment. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Don't fall asleep, all right? 
So close your eyes. One more example um, of this. So let, let's, say, let's say you're going out into the woods. So you're going out into the woods, deep, dark forest, and you have a chainsaw in your hand, right? So you get that chainsaw and you cut down a really tall tree. And that tree comes crashing down. And then you get that same chainsaw and you cut off the branches of that tree and, and the, sort of the top of the tree where all the, it really sprouts out into different branches. And to, the only thing that's left is a long, big log that's on the ground. Now put your chainsaw down and I want you to take that, that tree, that log, and I want you to shove it in your eye, all right? Just put it in your eye, all right? Okay, everybody, everybody open your eye, all right? So... That's kind of weird, huh? That's kind of weird. Um, Jesus said this. If you're going around judging people for the speck in their eye, and yet you have a log in your own, it's not good. That's not good. So Jesus taught graphically. And there's, there's even more. There's lots of great stuff in the red letters. Read the red letters. So Jesus taught with authority. He taught um, practically. He was very practical with his teaching. And he taught graphically. He was very graphic. He painted pictures and he told stories. Here's one paraphrase of a story. Now, he, he talked about stories that related to that culture. I mean, he's not going to use, he never said, hey, one day there was this guy with an iPhone. Okay, well, he, he knows that iPhones are going to be invented, but he, he didn't talk about iPhones because iPhones weren't around back then. So he used examples in everyday life, in the culture. So let's take one of his stories, and let's put it in today's culture, right? So uh, there was this uh, gentleman who was, uh, who was driving down 41, just right over here, okay? So driving down 41, and, um, and so his car breaks down. So his car breaks down, he runs out of gas, and, and he's kind of on the side of the road. So he decides to get out of his car and decides to walk to the nearest gas station. And he's kind of in between, you know, Emerson and Cartersville and that area right there, and there's nothing else around there. So he, he, uh, he's walking towards a gas station, and then uh, this car drives up, and these guys jump out, and, and they rob him of his money that he was going to use for the gas. And um, they beat him up good. In fact, they, they actually stab him and leave him for, for dead. They'd pull away. Well, this other car drives by, and it was a um, it was an a, an archbishop, you know, sort of a high and mighty religious man. And this archbishop drives by, and, and his driver says in the, in the limousine, he says, he says, sir, there's a man on the side of the road. He goes, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to pray for him, and I'm sure that someone will come by, but I, I've got to I've got to go to a meeting. So he drives by this man who was on the side of the road. Then a second car drives by, and it's this, this is pastor who's planted a church in Emerson. He's lots of kids, and, um, and he drives by, and he sees this man, and he says, oh, man, I, I really need to stop and help him, but I'm late to a meeting to teach my leaders about compassion, all right? So, so he drives by, and this pastor drives by uh, this man sitting on the side of the road. So this man is left for dead. Two cars have, have driven by. And then a third car drives by. It's a single mom coming home from her second job in order to put food on the table. 
comes by and sees the man, pulls over, helps the man into their car, drives a man to Cartersville Medical Center, and tells the doctors, hey, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, I'm going to pay for the medical expenses of this man. Now, that's a modern-day version of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. Now, that Jesus said, who's my neighbor? The one that stopped. Okay, is an example. That's your neighbor. So, you need to help everybody, and you need to accept help from everybody. That's your neighbor. Who, here's, a, here's one more story. Here's one more story. Remember, Jesus painted in pictures, and he told stories. Here's another uh, modern-day example in our culture of a Jesus story. There was a, there was a man, very wealthy. He owned his own business, and he, he lived in Alpharetta and um, had a, an incredible house, uh, lots and lots of money, and he had two sons. And one of the sons were, was a little bit wild and crazy, and uh, so this, uh, this, it was a younger son. And so he went to his father one day when he turned 21 and says, okay, I want my Merrill Lynch, um, you know, trust fund. Uh, basically, I want, I want what you were going to give me, and I want it now. So his father gives it to him. And this young gentleman um, takes this trust fund, and he cashes it in, and he, he moves to Vegas. So he goes to Vegas, and he, he, he buys a penthouse, and he's... He's living it up. He's gambling. He's drinking. He's involved in, in drugs. Got some prostitutes around his penthouse. And so he's living it up and then until finally his money runs out. And he finds himself working at this little dump of a job, making minimum wage. And he's not able to, to even get you know, proper food into his into his life, into his body, and he finds himself digging in a trash can, getting scraps from a nearby restaurant at a casino, and he's just getting these scraps and feeding himself, and he's thinking, you know, my dad ha has a ton of workers who work for him who live better than this. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go apologize to my dad. So he this young gentleman, he, he scrap, scraps up enough money to get a bus ticket, a Greyhound ticket, and he goes from, from Las Vegas to Alpharetta, and he goes to the bus stop, and he's so, he's so ashamed, he didn't even call his dad. He says, you know, I'm just going to walk, walk home. So he's walking the distance from the, from the Greyhound bus stop to his father's house, and as he's turning towards the street, and he's rehearsed in his mind the whole story, the whole I'm sorry speech. He's rehearsed in his mind the whole bus ride there, and he knows exactly what he's going to say to say I'm sorry. He turns and walks down the street, and the house is at the end of the street, and as soon as he walks on the street, the front doors come bursting open, and the father runs out of the house, runs out of the house to the arms of his son. And his son says, Dad, I got, something to, I got something to tell you. The father put his hand over his son's mouth. No, you don't. Takes his son by the hand. Shows him how he's redone his room. 
There's a new car in the garage for his son already. He calls his friends. Hey, my son was lost, and now he's found. And his son never got a chance to share his I'm sorry speech to his dad. That same speech he'd rehearsing over and over and over again. You know why? And you, some of you need to hear this. Some of you may be living your life like you have this rehearsed I'm sorry speech to God. But just like that son, God's been working on his welcome home speech longer than you've been working on your I'm sorry speech. Jesus, powerful teacher. I have students who periodically reach out to me, Facebook. I see them win awards with choirs. I see them, I mean, I hear about them uh, performing on opera stages. This past Super Bowl, one of my students was singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl. I'm like, boom. I mean, it's great. I taught her. It makes me proud. It makes me proud. And those students, even though I'm not their teacher in their classroom, I'm still their teacher. They still call me Mr. Bennett, Mr. B. They still reach out to me, even though I'm not with them in the classroom. And even though Jesus is not here on this earth physically, he wants to be your teacher. Sit at his feet. Learn from him. Learn from him. He is the master teacher, and he has something for you 